Welcome everyone to episode number 10, a big, big episode number 10. Super excited because you are all in for a big treat today. It is a pleasure to have Melissa Yatani on the show with us today. Welcome to the Linguava podcast, the invisible profession, where we give you tools, tips, and resources in medical interpretation and translation that help bring to life our industry and ultimately help improve health outcomes for the limited English proficient communities. Melissa, for those of you who don't don't yet know her, she is someone who is, is a polyglot. She speaks five languages, English, Spanish, French, Dutch, and Papiamento. Am I saying that right? Yes. And um, she is someone who is a simultaneous interpreter. She's a has experience as a translator. She has worked with the Venezuelan government, interpreted for several presidents there. She's also interpreted for the United Nations and over 40 international organizations in Geneva, Switzerland, which is where she, she currently lives in, in Geneva. And today she's gonna to be sharing a little bit about her interpreter story, which is a, extremely unique, uh, her, her story as a linguist and how she got started as a linguist and everything just sort of started to fall in place for her. And she's gonna also talk about what makes a linguist go from good to great. What are some of the, the differences that that separate the two, and we're going to get to learn learn a lot from her her experiences. That are, it's very rare to come across a linguist that has the amount of experience that Melissa has. So, without further ado, Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Um, well, uh, your first question that you started off saying is like how I started off, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll take you back to 2006, <laughs> to Venezuela. I had just arrived to Venezuela. I moved there two months before my first interpreting experience. And I got contacted because the Malaysian embassy, they needed, and they needed interpreters. So they yeah. wanted to do some tests for interpreters and to see um, if they could accompany the visit of their prime minister that was going to be visiting Venezuela in December of that year. So uh, they sat me in a booth and they started saying, okay, interpret. I, I had studied interpretation in LA, but I stopped studying and I went to Venezuela to restart the career in translation and interpreting. So in Venezuela, I still hadn't started studying when this happened. <laughs> So the moment I, I do the whole thing and they say, okay, you're going to be interpreting for the journalists that accompany the prime minister. And I said, okay, that's perfect. Then they said, we're still going to interview other interpreters and we're going to do some tests for them as well. Yeah. And we'll let you know. At the end, they called me two days before and they said, listen, uh, you're the one that did better. So you're not going to interpret the journalists anymore. You're going to be interpreting the Minister of Energy and Oil from Malaysia. This is two days before <laughs> he arrived to the country. Wow. So I had no idea 
of energy nor oil. <laughs> I I don't think I slept for those two days. I studied <laughs> so much just to make sure that I would yeah. have everything down, just understand the process because in my case, I need to understand what I'm interpreting. I can't really interpret by learning things by heart. So when I get there to the airport to meet the minister, he tells me, oh, it's, I, mean, I tell him I'm going to be your interpreter. Nice to meet you. And he says, oh, but you're mistaken. I'm no longer the minister of energy and oil. I said, okay. Like, oh, wow. Good to know. <laughs> Great. Uh, now my new post is minister of the prime minister's department. I, may, I think my face showed that I had no idea what that meant. And he said, it's basically like a vice president. So there, I started freaking out <laughs> originally. <laughs> that was the, I was like, okay, so this guy is going to talk about every single thing mm -hmm. that can come up to his head. So he said, and our first meeting is with the president of Venezuela. Okay. <laughs> so First meeting. So this is like your first official job, pretty much. Yes. Interpretation job. My first official job. Wow which I was not really prepared for. <laughs> so you go in there and you have the president of Venezuela. You have this, uh, was it the, the prime minister to the prime minister? What was it? What yeah, was the it? minister of the prime minister's minister department. The prime That's minister's the name department. of it. <laughs> like a vice president. Okay. Yeah. And you're interpreting between the two. Yes. Consecutive. <laughs> okay. So... He's, he just says, oh, how many times have you interpreted? On the car, he tells me, how many times have you interpreted the president before? And I said, none. <laughs> this is my first time interpreting the president. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's just leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say interpreting at this level. Yeah. yeah. So I get there and the first experience was shocking because you, you're basically... I think there's two types of interpreters. You have there are normal interpreters, and then you have mm -hmm. diplomatic interpreters, in a way, which is when you have to interpret for high-level politics or diplomacy. Because there's, I think there's a different nuance to that, which I didn't know at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've come to learn with experience, which is you basically have to sugarcoat what they say more than you would in another, in another context of interpretation. Hmm. Now, when you say sugarcoat, you meaning, is, are you saying like summarize? What do you, what are you meaning by sugarcoat or not, not saying everything? Not say like, if they say something that's too rude, you have to mm -hmm. make it sound nice, not changing the meaning, okay. but just make it sound nicer. I think there was a huge, um, I think it was a few years ago with an Iranian interpreter that changed hmm. what he said. I think it was huge in the news. I, um, I don't really remember the context well, but it was okay. because he was interpreting for Iran and he kind of softened what he said. And in a way, that's the, I mean, I had a lot of shocks that first interpretation right. because 
I didn't know how to address a president. Yeah. And especially a president like Hugo Chavez, who was not an ordinary president, who basically addressed everyone like if we were his equals. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that caught me off guard was when he says, please stop calling me Mr. President. And it wasn't me, but the minister was calling him Mr. President. Right. You were interpreting everything. I was interpreting him and he said, I understand that he's calling me Mr. President, but could you please not call me Mr. President in Spanish? Okay. <laughs> so that's the first thing that, that mm -hmm. throws me off guard because yeah. all the training and all the things I've read before you hear Mr. President. Yeah. And it's like, okay, don't call me Mr. President. So every time that the minister would say, Mr. President, I had to call him Mr. Chavez. Uh, <laughs> so then it was the, was the other minister noticing that you were saying Mr. Chavez and then going, Wait, why are you saying Mr. Chavez when I said Mr. President? He noticed, but he didn't say anything at the okay. time. When that first interpretation finished, since I, I had to accompany him all the time, mm -hmm. he told me, he said, why did you change it? And I said, because he asked me to. I'm so sorry. And he said, no, I, I get it. I, it just caught my attention that I never heard you say president in Spanish just once. And I said, mm -hmm. yes, that once he told me to stop calling him president. Mm. Wow. So you had that, you had that, that experience, that insane first official experience. I mean, I can't even imagine what was going through your mind at that time. And I was just what, trying to keep calm. You know? yeah. <laughs> I was just like trying, please, uh, telling myself, please don't look scared. Please don't look mm -hmm. scared. And, and then so then after that, it, they really liked you, right? They liked you and yeah. you, end, you end up, what, what happens after that? Well, after that, uh, this whole thing is I'm also the youngest interpreter there. After the rest of the interpreters start coming because there are more conferences and everything. And you're like in your early 20s at this point? I was... Yeah. 20, 20. <laughs> so there, I was the youngest one there. Most in, the, even some of the interpreters came up to me and said, listen, I have more years interpreting than you alive. <laughs> and I said, I get that. <laughs> okay. And I was not only the youngest interpreter, but the only foreign interpreter. I was the only one that was in Venezuela that didn't grow up there, that didn't have the whole cultural background. Mm-hmm that all the other interpreters had. So it was harder for me because I didn't, I didn't know most of the yeah. local expressions in Spanish. I didn't yeah. understand them. I would understand standard, if we can say standard, mm -hmm. uh, a standard Spanish expressions, but not, and to that point more Mexican, because that was the Spanish that I've been mostly in contact with than Venezuelan Spanish. So, that was the first thing that was really hard. And then they didn't make it really easy when I got there because of my age and because, and because I was foreigner, I was a foreigner yeah. to them. And that for that whole 15 days that I had to interpret in a row, they were very hard, not only terminology wise, but also because the rest of the interpreters, when they when they showed up, they didn't make it easier for me. At the end, uh, 
at the end of the last week, the president comes up and decides and to, to tell me, like, I want you to be part of my interpreting team and I want you to usually do mostly English because I know it's your mother tongue. And I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I was still in a point where I didn't believe it. It's like, okay, yeah. I just got here. How is this happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. And so, and you said that was, that was 15 days. Yes. Of all day long. Yes. Pretty much <laughs> interpreting. Wow. All day long. To That's, everything, even to restaurants and everything, I had to be there. Yeah. Which is, as a matter of advice to anyone that's hearing us, study the names of juices and fruits because the, fun, the, the easiest things are the ones that are going to throw you off guard. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so, so I want to I ask you a question too about, about mindset for, for interpreters, you know, You've, you've interpreted for presidents, you've interpreted at the UN, you know, at the, at the highest levels. And every experience is, is unique, right? And you're walking in there with maybe someone that you haven't interpreted before. And so and this is information. You don't know what's going to happen, right? It's just like, it's just like, a, a, like a live performance. You know, anything could, anything could happen. Anything could be said. So as, a, as far as a, the importance of mindset, I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot in our industry but it's so, so important as to how to have that pure laser focus on the, the, the speaker and on the trusting the, in, in your ability. So what is some advice that you would give to interpreters who are, who are going into a challenging situation? How do you stay, how do you keep your mindset focused and, and clear and not let the nerves get the best of you because obviously we we're human we can get nervous so how do you how do you handle those those challenges um, mentally well first since we never know what's going to come up (laughs) in an interpretation you usually know who your speaker is so at least try to research a bit before the beforehand yeah a bit about the speaker so you can kind of have an, a broad idea of what subjects may come up. The other thing that I, that was a recommendation to me from my professors at the university and it's been, and it's worked ever since is try to watch the news in your working languages to know what's happening in the world at that day. Because if something major happens, they are surely going to mention it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, Maybe, well, this is what I do. I separate my feelings from the interpretation. Because when you interpret at a political level and, every, and presidential level, you don't necessarily agree with the person mm-hmm. you're interpreting. And I think the easiest thing not to let your nerves or, or your ideology get in the way is basically tell yourself you're just the person's voice. Mm-hmm. So at that time, for, for example, when I'm interpreting someone, I'm not Melissa Yitani. I'm whoever I'm interpreting. I'm their mm-hmm. religious beliefs, their political mm-hmm. views, their everything. I'm not me. Mine don't come at play. Because especially when you work for, some, for someone as polemic as Chavez was, you have a lot of, I've worked with a lot of great interpreters that disagreed with him. Right. And that was the only way that they managed 
I also asked them, like, how do you do this? Because I know you can't. I'm not, I'm not me when I'm interpreting. And so far, that's the only thing that's worked for me to keep calm. Yeah. Like, and the hardest thing, like you said, it's basically trust yourself. I think that's, and it's normal yeah. because like you said, we're human. We get nervous. We have our doubts. Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind basically is there's no perfect interpretation. There's always going, going to be something that goes wrong. Just as long as you keep that in mind. I know it's not very encouraging, mm -hmm. but I think when we're interpreters, we tend to be very hard on ourselves as well as when we're translators. Any kind of linguist, we're very, very self-critic of ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it, that kind of allows us to get, get inside of our own head. And then, exactly. you know, as they say, get, if you're inside your head, you're dead type of a, of a thing. You're, you're, you're focused on, on the wrong, wrong outcome. Yes. Um, I really liked what you said about, about when you really, you're not, you're not Melissa, you are actually that person. Cause it, it is true, right? As, as interpreters, we are, we're not representing our voice. We're not representing our beliefs, our opinions. It's 100% coming directly from, from that speaker at the time. And I think it's the easiest way for us to get our job done, <laughs> to stop at the time that we're in a booth or if you're translating yeah. even a document, just keep in mind that it's not you. That it's, you're just facilitating communication. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. I, that, I know that's, that same mindset did help me when I, when I was interpreting as well, like a, a challenging situation, let's say like a, like I remember interpreting for a, for a still, stillborn situation which is wow. just really really traumatic and but being able to just to, to, to separate and just focusing on um, the, focusing on the content and trying to relieve the emotions because if you let let emotions get involved then you're that person is emotionally going through something but if you go take it to that level too then now you have two two people that are emotionally going through something and that can affect negatively impact your interpretation and negatively impact the people that are listening to you as yeah. well. I could tell you a story, a little bit, a short story that happened to me with that. Yeah. I had to interpret for, it was a cancer society of children. And they were telling the, the parents were telling the story of a child that passed away mm. and the parents weren't crying. And I started crying and my voice broke and I made the whole audience cry in English when the ones that, that were listening in Spanish weren't crying. Yeah. So immediately at the end of it, somebody came up to me and said, listen, there was something with interpretation because the people that were listening to the original audio were not crying. Why were the people that were listening in English crying? I said, it was my fault because I, my voice completely broke. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and I think it's really, really hard to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. It's a very, because you know, we're, we're human, right? And yeah. we're empathetic and wanting to understand i mean what that person's going through at that time you can you can empathize with that so yeah it's a it's a challenge but i think you're right that the best interpreters are those that can that can truly separate emotions feelings and it's practice mostly yeah. at the end of the day it becomes practice yeah. just practice with i one of the things i practice is i usually try to practice with people i completely disagree with hmm. so I put a speech of someone that goes against every single thing I personally disagree with. 
to see if I can interpret them. Mm. And that helps. <laughs> yeah. And that helps yeah. set a distance from your beliefs because there are things that, and there are still things that are hard for me to say when I interpret them because I don't believe them. It's like, okay, it's not you. It's not you. You're just a voice. Yeah. No, I like, I like that as an interpreter tip practice. If you're, if you're interpreting for someone who's speaking and you may or may not um, agree with, with them, practice something that from the news or something like that, that you, you, that you, that you do disagree with, but you're just interpreting the information. So, exactly. Just to I, make I like sure that. how close you are to, to sending the message. That's a way to test yourself. Mm -hmm. So, so Melissa, for, for all the interpretation experiences that you've had, you've interpreted for presidents at the UN. And besides probably that first one, I'm sure that was an extremely challenging one. I'd love to hear what was another extremely challenging interpretation situation that you walked into uh, and how, how did you, how did you handle that? What is another, another one that stands out as one of the most challenging? I have two other ones, but okay. it was because of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> the first one was because, was again with a president, we had to, he wanted to go horseback riding to show something to another prime minister. And I said, okay, this comes when I was wearing a dress and heels <laughs> and I, <laughs> And the only thing he turns around to me and says, can you horseback ride? Uh, yes, but not with this outfit. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll get you pants. He called some of the military. They brought me pants. And I was like, okay, so I don't only have to focus on horseback riding, but on listening, I was in between both of them. So I could listen to what they were both saying and I had to interpret and I had to be careful with the horse. So that was just like, I think I was wow. scared that the horse, I said, okay, if this horse starts going faster, then I'm not going to hear them. I don't know what this, because it doesn't really depend on you anymore. It just depends on wow. every outside thing that's with you. Interpreting on a horse. I've never heard, heard of that one before. Because yeah, talk yeah. about having to focus on like five things at once. Right. Yeah. Wow. So how did, how did it go? It went well. Okay. Honestly, when I got down on the horse, my heels broke. So it was very bad. But, but during the interpretation, it went well. I don't even know how I managed. So honestly, at the end, I was like, is this over? Is this finally over? Can I get down from the horse now? Wow. And obviously, you, you, you couldn't really take no, notes no. At, the, at the time. No, that's when I actually, I, I asked, like, could you please just say one sentence and then let me interpret because right. I can't, I'm relying only on my memory and not falling off a horse. <laughs> You're riding on the horse's back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sorry, wait, I'm sorry, yeah. horse. Yeah. <laughs> Writing some yeah, symbols like, just in case. <laughs> addresses and, and numbers and everything on, yeah. on the horse's back. Yeah, well, and I think that's but, another thing that a lot of, a lot of people that work with interpreters frequently don't don't think about it they don't under, understand is the what it's like to be an interpreter and the the challenges that are that are involved there so I, I like how you you took took a moment to to reiterate to those two individuals that okay make sure you keep keep the keep the sentences to just keep your answers just to one sentence in order and to I think that's something we have to learn how to do as interpreters because we sometimes are very shy and we don't want to contradict 
or yeah. or make the person or our client feel uncomfortable but it's it's a matter of the be the better we do our job the better they they are as clients right so i think it's better that we tell them beforehand listen i need you either to speak slower or if you don't have a way because like you said people forget that sometimes they forget that they're being interpreted especially in consecutive you have people that speak for like five ten minutes and you don't stop taking notes and you're like okay okay yeah yeah so, no that's so that's so true <laughs> yeah and, and i think like you said you know being able to speak speak for our ourselves when when possible which can be really challenging at times right finding that <laughs> finding that opportunity but being able to to connect with the the speaker and i think that what would be what would be your message then for the for individuals that are working with interpreters um, as far as how they could have a better better experience overall? Talk to the interpreter. Tell them if the most information that they could provide, the better. Mm -hmm. It's better that we have more information than less information. Always. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter if you're not going to say everything, but just it's better that we have the context. And ask basically how your interpreter works. Just come close to them at least five, ten minutes before the conference and ask them, um, "Are you uh, like, are you doing this subject? Have you done this subject before? In case, yeah. just in case, and or like agree with them to make a, yeah. a sign or something if they're going too fast, so you don't have to as an interpreter. So your interpreter doesn't have to interrupt you." Because what we do sometimes is that if our speaker is going too fast or it's speaking too much and we're doing, for example, in consecutive and they don't stop speaking, we speak over them. Right. Which poses other, uh, other challenges, ob obvious challenges as well. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's rude, which is something yeah. that could actually be avoided mm -hmm. if there is more of a communication right. between the interpreter and the client. Yeah, and are you are you familiar with the acronym CIF, C I F E? No. So it's um, CIF is a it's a it's a practice that was created created by um, by someone from um, from from Portugal. I'm spacing on her on her name right now, um, and CIF it's it's a quick like debriefing practice that, that you can follow before any session. So C-I-F-E, so it stands for confidential, the I is first person, F is flow, and E is everything. So before a session, like the, you see this more in, in the medical, um, medical session, medical interpreting. Okay. Um, so before a session, I could talk with the medical provider and say, um, as, as the interpreter today, you know, my, my role is going to be um, interpreting for, for, for both individuals, everything that's said in the room is going to be confidential. That's the C. Everything is okay. going to be said in first person. So then the both parties know that I'm going to be saying I, and then it's not going to be me. That but That's not my elbow that hurts. It's the exactly. patient that hurts. But it's going to sound like it's coming from me, right? And then the flow. So as the provider, you're in charge of the, the uh, content of what, what is said. And I'm, as the interpreter, I'm in charge of the flow. So meaning that if I don't hear you correctly or you're, there's too much information or you're going too fast, then I might ask for 
a clarification or to slow down or a repetition, et cetera. And then the E is everything that is said in the room. So side conversations, all, everything will be, will be interpreted. And then that kind of sets a nice tone for the appointment. So then, cause normally if it was English to English, both individuals would just work together. Exactly. Right. And they would just talk, communicate however they wanted to. Now you're bringing an interpreter in, into in as a conduit and so both individuals might have a different experience with interpreters on how that should work and so you're kind of setting the stage if you will as to this is what my role is and this is why i'm here so i, I, I found it's that it's great a good, good method. i think it's great i think it should be done in, in, in uh, everywhere <laughs> yeah something yeah. because most people don't know how to work with interpreters mm -hmm. you have you have people that even at the highest levels that you would think they know how to work with an interpreter and they don't necessarily know. So they forget you're there. They start yeah. making jokes. <laughs> they start speaking really, really fast. You're like, okay, sorry. Hey, hey, there. <laughs> excuse me. You're being interpreted. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so, so true. I think that, and the, the whole, the whole idea of the, of the interpreter is, to help help make sure that each message is getting adequately and accurately conveyed in the other language. And I think a lot of people, they, they don't, they assume that an interpreter is like a robot, right? And they can just, yes. anything that <laughs> like I say. Like your Google Translate, right, basically. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, a, like a computer. And then we're, 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 we're human, human as, as well. So that's, that's, those are really good tips for both linguists to be thinking about yeah. making sure that, that you're, that you're speaking up and then for those working with interpreters, make sure that you're connecting with the interpreter ahead of time, doing a quick, even if it's and just 30 seconds. Yes. And, and like I said, remember that we're human. Mm -hmm. That means that we need water. <laughs> we need a break. <laughs> we need to yeah. know basically where the restrooms are, which is something that sometimes they forget. I've been in conferences where they forget we eat. You're like, okay, I've been here for the last five hours. I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one, one other, one other, that's a, you bring up a really good point there. The, the mentally tiring and taxing on the brain that the interpretation is, and I mean, can only imagine for you, you're interpreting at the highest level and what is the, I mean, usually, and usually you have a, would have a partner, right? Usually, usually. but not always. But not always. Because it depends on the confidentiality as well. Mm. There are some heads of state or ambassadors or other levels that prefer not to have another interpreter because they say that then there's an, a bigger chance of having mm. a breach in mm. confidentiality. Just bringing another person in on this exactly. information. Which makes it harder because that makes the only interpreter that's there going back and forth yeah. in both languages, which are not necessarily both of your A languages. Right, which has right. been my case many times. Unfortunately, I'm interpreting into and out of two of my foreign languages because they don't want to bring anybody else in. And you said, "Okay." Wow. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's so so important. And again, just for the 
for those individuals, you know, providers, whoever it is that's working with interpreters to make sure that they're thinking about if the session has been going for a long time, if it's a group session or a speak, there's a speaker at a conference or something like that, making sure that we're thinking about has the interpreter had a, had a break? Have they eaten? Do they have water? Is there, have they had lunch? Yes. All of those things. And as we know, as interpreters, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're eating on the go, um, which we make work, but we need to make sure that, that we're getting, getting that, that time to, to rest the brain. And that's another tip. Just always carry water with you, a water yeah. bottle with you, and yeah. maybe some walnuts or nuts or any type of yeah. anything that in yeah. case you don't have a chance to eat anything. Because like you were saying, we have to basically remember that interpreting is not a natural process of our brain. That's why we have to train for it. It's not natural and it makes our brain work double. So they, it starts asking us for sugar, ironically. Mm -hmm. I read a study about it, but I don't really remember which one it is. If I find it, I'll send it to you. Please do. It, it's a study that says that our brain starts asking for sugar. I've worked with booth mates that literally they take into the booth a small packet of sugar. And when their their head starts hurting, they take it. Yeah. I said, wow. Yeah. I, I prefer going with nuts. It's healthier. <laughs> but... Yeah. Or yeah, chocolate I mean, because some, you're draining your brain. You're, you're, you're draining, like you said, it's not a natural process. A natural process would be focusing on one, you know, kind of one one language at a time. Our brains are used to that. But then when you're when you're focusing on on hearing hearing one language, and then understanding it, understand, and then understanding it into the other one, and regurgitating in a matter that. Of sec, yeah, in a matter yeah. of seconds. In a matter of split, split, split second. Yeah. So it's not it's not natural. That's why yeah. interpretation is considered one of the hardest jobs in the world. I th That's it right. usually varies between the second and the third, behind um, what is it, neurosurgeon and air controlling, or traffic. Yeah, air traffic control controller. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Air traffic controller. That that's why it varies because it's not that. natural. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, you know, some of the most tired days I've I've had are when you're interpreting all day long. You get home and your your brain just is just ready to shut off. It just like it just needs to disconnect and you just you you can't you can't really you talk. You can't even process in yeah, any language anymore. anymore. You don't even know what you're speaking anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so true. It's like, don't, don't talk to me. I just need to turn off for exactly. a good, a good eight hours. Um, no, that's, uh, that's so true. And so important for, for the community here to, to remember, um, yeah. both for the self-care of the interpreter and just for those, those working with, with interpreters to, to remember that, Hey, we're all, we're all human yes. here as well. Um, so this is uh this is awesome list. I mean, you've given us some, some really rock solid applicable tips here to, to think about. And it's so interesting hearing about your, your personal story, how you got started. I think it's a real inspiration for many, many interpreters to know that with the right focus and determination, you know, you can, you can take this profession very, very far. Yeah. And you've, you've clearly, uh, clearly demonstrated that. So one, um, I'm gonna ask you one one last question, but before before we do that too, is what what's the best way that that people here in the community can can get a hold of you if they want to ask you questions? Or I know you do also um, teach uh, language online as well. What's the best way people can get a hold of you? Well, uh, my email is 
in and out of the booth mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Very and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or on Instagram, I'm usually on Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm by my name, Melissa Yitani. And on Instagram, I have two handles. Uh, one is like the email at in and out of the booth. And the other one is Mel Yitani, Y-I-T-A-N-I. Thanks. And we'll, we'll, we'll pop those up there on the, on the screen as well. And, and in any posts that we, that we have, so people are able to, uh, to, to get a hold of you. Um, so last question is, you know, when I'm, as I've gotten to know you a little bit, Melissa, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and I can just really sense that, that passion that you have for, for interpreting and on such a, such a deep level my question for you is, is what, what impact do you want to have on, on the world? Basically a positive impact. I think the world has already so many negative things that if we can have any positive impact, it would be great basically to continue bridging the language gap around the world Mm -hmm. if we can and when we can. And just for other linguists to follow their dreams, to not give up on their dreams, to not think something's impossible. I mean, I had so many people tell me that I would never be able to do this, especially when I studied in a country that Spanish was the first language and mine was English. Yeah. And, and I'm here. <laughs> it's just a matter of just continue and just believe in yourself, believe yeah. that you we're also going to have bad days sometimes yeah. and not, be so hard on ourselves when those bad days are there. Basically that. (laughs) That's beautiful. Well, you're, you're clearly having that, that impact. And hopefully this, this uh, short conversation as well will, will help um, positively impact a lot, a lot of individuals here in the, in the community. um, Just want to take a quick, quick moment and and thank everyone as well for, for tuning in and listening to our conversation uh, hopefully you got, got a lot of value out of it and, and learn, learn some great, some great interpreter tips as well that will be able to help, help you, whether you're a linguist yourself or someone who works with, with interpreters. And, uh, we encourage you to go ahead. And if you liked this episode, hit like, and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'd love to hear from you too. So if you have some thoughts or questions or ideas for a future topic, go ahead and leave that in the comments down below. And we do this for, for you to be able to add value to the interpreter translator community. So we want to make sure that uh, everything that we're doing is, is, is adding value to your life as a linguist or someone who works with, with linguists. So uh, thank you again for being, being part of the community and Melissa, Thank you so much for for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you.